a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. Legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X wrap-up. This is the Muddy Creek Review. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. We'll dive into Muddy Creek and whether the creek was muddy or not. Uh, coming up here, uh, thanks to Aaron Plessinger and Eli Tomac. Uh, they did a great job there uh, killing it. And thanks to uh, flyracing.com as well for being the title sponsor on this podcast, flyracing.com. Please check them out. They make much more than gear also uh, from mountain bikes to watercraft stuff, snowmobiles, UTVs. Uh, the 2017 and a half Kinetic Mesh is out now. Blake Baggett has got the red plate and he wears fly racing, everybody. Flyracing.com. Please check them out. And thanks also to Alpine Stars. You know Ace Stars is the great boot company, of course, but they make much more than that. They have a whole protection line of products from the BNS Tech Carbon uh, neck support, A1 Roost Guard, the Fluid Tech Carbon Knee Brace, lots of things to check out. And of course, they all come with the standard, usual Alpine Star quality. So please check them out. Alpine Stars protects. Uh, thanks again for listening. We appreciate it. Let's get into Muddy Creek. I'm Steve Mathis with me on the line uh, from flyracing.com, former. Top privateer, still just got back from Japan, riding the 2018 RMZ 450 a few weeks ago. Jason Thomas, what's up, JT? So much. We have to welcome Weege back uh, after getting the, the tweets and the, reading the comments under the podcast last week about people saying it's not the same. I am uh, I'm very happy to have Weege back on the podcast. Jason Wygant, what's up, Weege? Yeah. Wait, people yeah. were people were not happy? Uh, I don't think that they were not happy. It was just they were saying it's it's the best variation when it's us three. We just good at what he does. I'm telling you, I think I said this a few shows ago. I have people coming up to me all the time at the races saying, "Man, you three guys have something. I don't know what it is. It's never as good when one of you is missing." And this was before the the show that J- JT and I did last week. Uh, you guys are make magic. Uh, it's awesome. You know, I, I find myself. Uh, hating and loving each one of you at different points in the shows. Like, I've had people tell me that. So, you know, I don't know, something there. It's like, um, it's like the, uh, like you take Diana Ross out of the Supremes. What do you got? You got nothing. Take my, yeah, I, I wish I'd say. Take Beyonce out of Destiny's Child. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, she did terrible after that. Yeah. Um, t- take Michael Jackson out of the Jackson 5. What do you got? You right, just got Tito. Right. Justin Timberlake, I've been saying. And, uh, and Weege, in, in wrestling parlance, take one of the Bushwhackers away from the other Bushwhacker. Mm-hmm. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, when you're so bad that no one even knows their names, they're just known by the plural of the name of the team. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get into uh, Muddy Creek and all that happened. First of all, 
How was the weather, Wygant? Oh, it was not Muddy Creek at all. It was gorgeous. It was actually the best weather during the motos that they've had all year. It wasn't hot. It wasn't humid. It was absolutely perfect. A couple clouds in the sky giving us a little bit of coverage every once in a while so no one got sunburned. It could not have been better. However, I will begrudge this. I could have just stopped right there, mm-hmm. and I would have won. I would have had yet another arrow in my quiver or quiver in my arrow or something like that. Yet another Tuesday afternoon, everyone's saying it's going to be a mud race, and it didn't turn out to be a mud race. I could just be done and win based on that. Mm-hmm. But I will say this. Because they could not rip the track Thursday and Friday, and they did not rip it at all until practice was over, the track was not very rough. And I think that had a huge impact on the racing because they could not pass because the track was just wide open. So I begrudgingly will give you the fact that although it was not a mud race, the threat of rain and the rain they did get earlier did affect track prep. So the rain did impact the racing, even though it wasn't a mudder. Damn it. Oh, JT, will you take that? Yeah, I mean, Weeks is right. I, you know, I even you guys, read my poems. You guys had a, uh, a harsh text exchange going on our group no. text about no the weather. No, it's never harsh. It's never harsh for me. It's all Weege, Weege, what do you hate more, the weather predictors on Tuesday, Wednesday, like JT and John Knowles and everybody, or the people that say, well, all he's got to do is get second for the next eight races and the title is his? You nailed it. That's it. I've got only two things in life that get me angry. That's it. <laughs> Nothing else. I mean, you could probably walk up to some ancestor's grave of mine and spit on it. I'd be like, ah, you know, hey, if you got problems with them, that's up to you and them. That's between you. But when you start predicting mud races five days in advance or counting points three or four races in advance, I mean, that's full angry face emoji right there. So I was, <laughs> I was, I was very upset. And then, JT, I didn't realize you were like – well, I guess you singled down in the bet. I didn't realize how adamant you were. But you started to get more desperate as the forecast started to improve, and then I realized where you were at with this. Um, you did not want to take a loss on this one. I understand. But this is how it goes. We only need a small window. We only yeah, need I, six or seven hours in a five-day span for not the rain, and we're good. I know. I thought I had an ace in the hole with a tropical storm, man. I don't know what I need here. I, I, I mean, I'm going to need some sort of biblical flood here to uh, – I mean, we have we have had muddy races. It happens. Like, if I look back through history. We have had deluge races where it's just full mud. It just doesn't seem like it happened hadn't happened anytime recently. But I will have my day. We will both be in this for long enough where I will have my day. And I will be But the point I will always make is when the predictions are made, it's probably, if we could put, we need to start putting some stats on it. We just need to have an average. I think it's probably like 18% of the time it's predicted to be muddy. It is muddy. And about 80% of the time, it isn't. So that's what I'm always going to say. When you make the prediction on Tuesday, there's probably an 80% chance it's not going to happen. So the yeah, odds are right. always against it being a mud race, even though it can happen, yeah. more than likely it won't. Especially I, Supercross, where they can just cover the thing. I definitely... Just stop it. When I was doing the X-Brand goggle gig, weather was something I kept an eye on, and there was some horrid days, like the Washougal and everything, but I prepped for rain way more than it actually ever, ever needed it. You know, like... But you, you kind of have to as a goggle guy. Oh, yeah. No, no, you have ready. to. But I'm saying if yeah. I look back at the stressful nights or or days of prepping uh, uh, roll-offs and, and different pre- and all these goggles, and the amount of days that I actually had to use them, um, it was quite different. But um, 
Yeah, Wygant drives him nuts. Everybody wants to get Wygant upset. Text him uh, a weather update on Tuesday. Watch yeah. him just not yep. go irate. So. Yes, yep. And hey, if Osborne, if he can get that points lead just up a little bit more, if he can continue this trend, then start telling me with three races to go, all he's got to do is finish second in every moto, and he's going to have it. <laughs> throw, throw that one at me as well. Okay. Um, you, did, you did say an interesting thing, though, about the track, Weege, and, and I didn't go. JT didn't go, um, so we were watching it on TV. You said an interesting thing, though. I was going to bring up in my notes here that I thought the track looked the best one we've had all year. The first four rounds have been pretty hellacious uh, due to weather. Some, of course, to the usual Nationals track prep that we know and sometimes love. But they haven't looked very fun. At times, it looks like you're locked in a rut. The sweeping of an inside to outside of a corner doesn't really happen because you're just sort of picking a rut. And I thought that Buddy Creek was terrific. But you're saying, or I'm maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, but... You didn't like it because of the lack of water and and dissed up, the lack of ruts. Of course, there was some, don't get me wrong, but not compared to the first four. Equal to lack of passing for you. Interesting. Yeah, and I listened to, ironically, I listened to um, your uh, 300th episode of the Pulp Show on Mm -hmm. the drive up and then some on the drive back from the track, and there was major discussion between those three guys. Well, no, sorry. Major discussion between DV and Reed, and then every once in a while, Timmy would <laughs> right, right. like say yes or no. That's or the whole, I don't remember. That was the whole show. That was the, pretty much the whole show. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. Very little info from Timmy. Um, so I hear these guys saying the tracks suck, and I'll agree they do not look fun. Like that high point track did not look like fun. Those ruts and ha- the ruts getting hardened after they were soft and mushy, terrible, doesn't look fun. But, unfortunately, the idea of sweeping, and by the way, seconding their opinion, I happened to be at Lucas Oil Studios on Monday in California to show Jeremy McGrath, High Point happened to be playing on the TV, and he's like, this sucks, dude, they can't even race on that track, you can't even pass, you can't do anything, look at those ruts, that's Mm -hmm. horrible. So I understand, Jeremy McGrath, Chad Reed, David Villeman, you guys won a lot of races, but here's your track without ruts. You can't pass because everyone can do the same thing. Freaking Alex Martin and Austin Fortner, there was nothing Alex could do. There was nothing. No one was going to get tired. You couldn't be like, hey, look, that line's finally gone. It's now too rough. That rut's too deep. I'm going to switch. Or he's going to screw up because I'm keeping the pressure on because it's, it's so rough and difficult. I know it doesn't look fun with those ruts, but when you remove all challenge, riders of this level can all do basically the same thing. And the lap times in practice were the same. And no passing in the races. Now I know uh, yeah. Blake Baggett came mm-hmm. from 40th first or third, whatever. Third, yeah. Look at those 250 motos. Look at those 250 motos. There was no passing at all. Yeah, Done. I hate. I hate that you make that point. I hate you. I'm, I should hang up on you. I hate that. <laughs> I hate you, and I hate everything you brought up right there. But God damn it, you got a point, JT. He's got a point. Yeah, I mean, it's always going to be compromised. You know, I think there's a happy medium, though. I don't think it has to be the one extreme, which was high point, where they didn't really disc it up and it was all ruts and and one rut from the top of the hill to the bottom of the hill, or expecting a tropical storm so they seal the track on Tuesday and don't break out any disc or anything because they're scared of rain and, and they don't let any moisture into it and there's no lines in it. I think there's a happy medium there, and I think that the happy medium is where we need to strive to be. So I don't disagree with what Weege says at all, but 
I don't necessarily think that either of those were ideal scenarios. I think they were both, you know, we were dealing with a ton of rain on Friday night at high point and made it way too soft. And then we kind of knew the rain was coming at Muddy Creek, so they sealed it and didn't let any moisture into it. So we're dealing on the opposite end of the spectrum uh, on that weekend. So I do, I've raced on tracks that are having medium and they're awesome. Um, And I think, you know, you have some vocal guys that have been on lots of tracks all over the world to know what good situations are. And that's just what we're hoping for. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, I, I totally agree. It's not like, again, you look at High Point, you look at those downhills, and it doesn't, that's not the Fox Dream On calendar where they show you a picture of that and say, don't you want to get on your dirt bike and ride this? You know, down no, the we're not familiar with that. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, the uh, ride, ride, ride life? What? Give me, give me a phrase here. Throw in. Wow, the, no. The, remember yeah, the fly, remember the fly one fifty. I mean, it was just fly epic. wall, fly wall. Okay, <laughs> fly one fifty. Fly wall. I don't know if anyone puts a picture of eighteen frame deep ruts down a hill and says, "Yeah, let's rip this." Um, so yeah, I agree. High point was a compromise too. So there is a happy medium. But I but I'm going to say this: if you have to pick between the two um, to watch, the high point style track is going to end up offering up. Um, better racing. It's yeah. not ideal, but I think it's right. the better of the two. Maybe shittier to ride, but from an entertainment standpoint, they're just a, they're just more action. Um, all right, let's get into uh, the race. So to recap, Tomac passes Baggett early in Moto One, kind of leaves him behind, finishes second. Anderson takes off with the win. Second Moto, uh, Baggett crashes. Rides amazing to get to third, but Eli's long gone and, and dominates. So did we get what we wanted, Weege? Did we in that first moto? Did did we get a showdown? Not really. I mean, they were about seventh and eighth when Eli got by on lap two, I think. But I mean, Eli was definitely better. I mean, there's no doubt they were like the very first glimpse you get of them on TV on the first lap. They were basically side by side and battling, and they certainly weren't um, at the end. But there's so many circumstances to think about. It's funny to me that we keep saying, when are we going to see this battle? And as I said before, if you're in the baggage camp, you're going to say, uh, yeah, we saw it. It was Colorado. It was only two races ago. He caught him, passed him, and left him. Why are we waiting for the battle? We already saw it. But I know in the Tomac camp, it's Eli, who's not using any excuses. It doesn't come from him, but he's saying, this camp is saying he wasn't maybe 100% that day. Okay, so Mulligan there. I will say this one. I think... Baggett, I think when those tracks get ridiculous and you have to find the crazy lines that no one else would ever find or use, like High Point or like Colorado, that is his strength. And this didn't have any of that. So what I guess that means is it could flip-flop again the next time they race. But definitely Tomac had him this time. The, uh, I watched the press conference uh, on Vital MX. Um, yeah, it got a little weird. It's good. I like that. <laughs> you see that, JT? I think I, what, what did I see? The the press conference it got. No, it got I bizarre. didn't. I didn't. I heard you guys talking uh, about that. No, I, I didn't. Yeah. So our guy Wheels, our uh, racetrack social media guy, he comes into the press conference and he's like, "Hey, I got the Anderson tweet." And Anderson had a tweet last week that said, "Amazing how much shit a guy talks when he gets some confidence." We know who he's talking about. He's talking about Baggett. And he's like, "I'm going to ask Anderson about his tweet and see who he's talking about." And I'm like. You're really going to do that? And he's like, yeah, why not? I'm like, okay. And I really expected him to back out. But damn it all, he just read it to Jason verbatim, and then he puts Anderson on the spot to 
call bag it out in front of everybody. And remember, all the riders are sitting on stage together. <laughs> so Anderson says, yeah, the guy to my right has been saying some really bold things. Don't get me wrong, he's been ripping. But everything he said has been really bold. Tomac refused to comment on anything at all because that's the way Tomac plays it. <laughs> yeah, Eli was, was like, funny is Steve, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Did, yeah, Eli was just laughing pretty much. Um, agreeing without saying he agreed. But Mathis, what you noticed, and everybody else did too, so Baggett had to respond to this. Suddenly, the bold words, it was actually just fun. Yeah, everyone's, never meant to be no, no, everyone's having fun. <laughs> just having fun. It's just having fun. It's just having fun. How about, it's never meant to be taken. We're just, having, we're just guys on dirt bikes having a good time. We're lucky to do what we do for a living. That's all. Um, and how about uh, Anderson saying, oh, by the way, the guy to my right in the green liked my tweet. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Just throwing him under the bus. So, yes. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Only, I thought it was great, but here's what sucks. The trash talk was fun and exciting, and this probably ruined it. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably done now, right? If you're back, you can't uh, it only takes one incident to throw some gasoline back on the fire because these guys really haven't raced each other. I mean, at all, they haven't been yeah. near each other. So I'm still waiting yep. for that because I do think if if Baggett and Anderson get near each other or Toma, if any of these guys get near each other, I think you're going to see fireworks because there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of smoke still, uh, you know, simmering there. It's just been a little muted because they haven't really even seen each other. Um, Baggett can hang his hat on that second moto, though, man. Dead last to third. Well, yeah. It depends on who you ask, I guess. What? Depends on who you ask, I guess. Well, but, I mean, we're starting, we're, okay, we're going to be halfway through next week, Redbud, and, you know, these three are clearly better right now and breaking away maybe when you can go last to third from, you know, that says something, I think, for the rest of the class. Don't you agree, JT? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, the, the funny thing to me, I, I love – I love racing. Don't get me wrong. I did it for so long and the riding and all that is incredible. And, um, but I've watched dirt bikes and I've ridden dirt bikes at a fairly high level. And I don't get as blown away as I think, you know, like your average person who's never gone that speed because just the sheer fact that they can go that fast. That's not that crazy to me just because I did it for so long. The fun part for me is all the, the behind the scenes stuff, all the trash talk and mental games and, listening to each person's perspective of how you look at one situation and completely come out of it, out of it with two different perspectives and opinions. And if you try to compare those two opinions to those, the other person, they would be like, what are you talking about? What do you, what'd you even watch? That's the stuff that I, I find the most fascinating. Um, and when you look at this situation between Tomac and Baggett, I think that's what's going on. And if you had to lock everyone in a room, and say, hey, this is this is how I saw this play out. One side would lose their mind, and one the other side would probably be like, yeah, you're exactly right, you know. And oh, you're, yeah, right. you're watching the same thing, you know. It's just I love that that the Cali guys are probably thinking that it's all over now. We got this thing. We're we're the guys to beat. And if you're with your own baggage side, you're looking at it like, wow, we're still, you know, we're still, look at we came from last to third, like no problem, you know, we still have the points lead. And really, it's the same situation. It's just perspective. Oh, yeah. No, both sides have a point. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. But it's just so funny how far different their opinions are going to be. They're completely on the opposite sides of opinions as far as who's in control and who, you know, who's got the momentum and all that stuff. But it's really, I mean, it's, you know, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. I just like watching the, 
the mental side of it, go back and forth. Well, that's such a good point you bring up, and I think that's the exact problem with uh, the entire, well, at least the entire nation, if not the entire world right now, where everyone just falls so strong into one side or the other. And at least in racing, it's justified because you're literally getting a paycheck based on how your team does or if you're the rider himself, how you do. So I will excuse the biasness a lot more since you literally do. Well, you don't literally have a dog in the fight. That would be like Michael Vick style, but they're... They have a, a personal interest in the battle, so I, I understand why they would. But it is funny. I think it shows why the nation is so polarized, because this is what I get at the end of the day. So, like, if I were to go to the Cowie truck, like, in their opinion, as you said, Mathis, like, tell Max Shelby what's up. It's over. It's done. He's the best guy. Clearly. So, at this point, someone like me who's supposed to be in the middle – that should be obvious, and we should all believe this, and we should write this, and we should say this. And if we're not, then we must be the biased ones because it's so obvious that Tomac is better now, and it would go the other direction too. It would be the same thing from you know Forrest's side or Baggett's side or KTM's side or whoever's involved, that the last to third would show and the points lead would show that Baggett is clearly so much better that if we did not say that, then we must be biased. So. It's just a microcosm of how these things work. People are so heavily opinionated, completely on one side or the other. And if you even try to say, ah, I'm not sure, then that must mean you're biased because the answer should be obvious. Well, it's crazy. Yeah, it's well, crazy many, to negotiate those waters. How many podcasts have we done where we've talked about these different teams and riders and what they say to us and think about us? I mean, that right there has gotten me blocked by riders and riders hating me and everything else. And you just go, ah, whatever. Yeah. Like, I have no dog in this fight. Tim Ferry's retired. I don't care. But, yeah. but if you were to, a perfect example oh. is I had to say to the Cowie guys, I had to say, I'm like, I know that everyone's going to think I'm a Bagged guy because of El Chupacabra and Bagged and I have some fun interviews. But I had to spend three weeks being hammered on people by saying, why won't you call Tomac out for choking in New Jersey? Because he's so obviously choked. Facts are he choked. That's a fact, which I don't know if that is a fact. So I was like on the fence with it. But being on the fence essentially means you're answering one side or the other. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I just spent like a month trying to defend the dude, but now I'm apparently against him. This is how it all works. And that, that's, you're right, JT, it's so intriguing how the exact same scenario can be so clear with two different answers, but both believe the answer is completely 100% inarguably obvious. I, uh, well, listen, uh, I haven't waffled. Uh, I'm not having, I haven't waffled. Eli Tomac's the oh, best guy okay. in this class. I've been saying that, been talking about it, and he's not even in points lead. I just, he's the best guy in his class. He's going to win this title. Um, you know, JT was like, are you guys getting worried or whatever a few weeks ago? And, um, you know, look, he didn't, he didn't sweep the motos this weekend. So, you know, but I, 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 that's how I feel. Blake's been incredible. That ride at Lakewood was all time. But uh, to me, he's the best guy in the class. And I guess we'll see, though. If he keeps making mistakes, uh, he didn't make any this weekend, but if he keeps making mistakes, then Baggett will take advantage of that. But uh, we'll see. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think Tomac has had the upper hand, um, three motos in a row now between the two, uh, you know, Baggett rode, I mean, that was a flat out incredible ride. I, you know, I'm not really concerned with anybody else's opinion. The ride was, was amazing. Whether or not UI won the overall is, is irrelevant to that fact. Uh, Baggett did a great job to salvage us. I mean, a third place really. I mean, as we were, you know, you guys were commentating, we each UNGL, I don't think that third place was really in the conversation that he was going to get back there. It was, 
you know, how does he, no. what place does he need to get to get the points lead or hold the points lead? And I think it was fifth or sixth. And you guys were like, ah, maybe it's possible, you know, not third. Um, so, no. as as we go, you know, we get into late August here and this championship is decided one way or another. Uh, if if Baggett's able to pull this out, it will be because of rides like that. You know, uh, lots of smart people have said that championships are won on days like that. Um and, and Eli, I mean, Eli had a, a, a big crash at Mount Morris and was able to get back to 11th in the first one, is that right? 11th, 12, something 12, like that? 12th. 12th, yeah. So, I mean, he did he did damage control, too. But uh, I do think the last three motos, Eli picked up some momentum and he kind of silenced all of the what's wrong questions. And even just in his riding, when I watched him ride, his aggression level is uh, completely different in a different place than it was uh, just a few weeks ago. So whatever was wrong, whatever he was going through in Colorado with the arms and the, you know, doing that Murph cross the deal, uh, he certainly looks like a different rider now. Whether that's good enough to beat Baggett heads up, I don't know. I hope we get that question answered because we'll all be better for it. It's going to be great entertainment. I, yeah, I want to uh, see. I, have, I don't know the answer to it yet. I want to see one two still. You know what I mean? In some, I want to see them get yeah. out one two. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think. Uh, you know, we've had opportunities for that. They've both gotten good starts, but Blake's, well, Eli crashed the first lap at, uh, at high point and kind of ruined that chance. And then, uh, you know, Blake made a huge mistake before the tunnel in high point and ruined that. But really, Blake's, uh, his first few laps are really ruining any chance for that. And it's, it's not um, different, any different than what his uh, Trooper Cover days were. He's really struggling in the first half of the race still. Maybe not as badly. I think the difference is the way Eli rides. When when Eli's clicking, you can't give up, you know, eight or ten seconds in the first half of the race and expect to be able to do anything with it. And that's what he's facing. You know, he's, when he gets in the second at high point, he's he's eight and a half or ten seconds down or whatever. I think he even got up to 12 at one point. Um, Eli's too good for that. So Blake's got to figure out how to go at the beginning. And if he's going to go with Eli, then they're going to sort it out. But that's that's really what's killing him is the first half of the race when before Eli or before Blake can get warmed up, Eli's gone. Weege, do you think do you think Marv like okay these three are going to start breaking away? In my opinion, can Marv get it back? It being speed and momentum and everything he had, or what do you think? No, I don't because uh, he you know he said he was much better this weekend than last. Mm-hmm. Um, but even that was still going to end up being like a 6-7 or a 7-8. You know what I mean? That's all he was going to get. Yeah. Um, so he's giving up so many points as it is, and he has to be so good to be on the level of these guys, and any of them would be. I mean, if any of them were dealing with the knee injury, they would also drop that many positions as well. So he basically just needs to be – this isn't Carmichael days where he could have a broken ankle and still win. Any of these guys need to be correct. So if he's just going to have a series of getting sixth or seventh, he's going to fall so far behind in points. And then to uh, literally add insult to injury, he ends up being effing the moto with a bike problem. Nothing to do with the knee. So he's so many points behind now that to think that a miracle is going to happen and he's going to keep getting fifths and sixths, keep losing points, and then somehow get back into it, I just don't see it happening. And then I also would have to think once that happens, the motivation to keep doing this with the knee problems and try to fight through all that pain and everything it takes to do that, that's probably going to wane also. So I don't think it's looking good. Yeah, I, I see these three going on a bit of a breakaway, huh, JT? 
Yeah, I think so. Um, they seem awfully poised to do that. You know, Anderson's uh, 17 points, 18 points out of the lead now, something like that, or 19, maybe 19. 19, um, 19 yeah. Yeah. But he's he's made himself rowing a bit again, and, uh, you know, he's had he had some, some rough moto. Beginning, he took that rock to the eye, um, and really I, did, I didn't expect him to be 19 points out, you know, creeping over. I guess we're a third of the way through the season now. So he's done a great job of clawing his way back into this thing slowly but surely. So Marvin, I I don't like his chances. You know, he qualified uh, 13th. Um, you know, he wasn't riding all that well, and then he had a front brake. He took a rock to the front brakes, um, and it front brake completely locked up. I, I saw. I talked to someone who was actually saw it all happen, uh, and they cut the hose, and then he just wasn't able to ride. So. Um, I, I don't like his chances. I think the knee is going to be too tough to overcome. Even if it gets a little better by better, I think he's already given up too many points now. And I don't think he's going to go on any, you know, the biggest factor, I don't think he's going to go on any sort of dominating run here, which is what it would take to to climb back into this. I don't even mean the points. The, I don't even mean the points though, JT. I mean like battling for the wins and podiums each race. Well, if he, if he, if he sticks it out and the knee, like the knee was looked like it was a lot better this week than it was last week. I do think so. Yeah, I think he could get back. Um, just suffering my own knee injuries, I went through. I, I, I ended up racing without an ACL in 2004 uh, and all of 2011. 2004 actually got quite a bit better, and I was riding normally within a month. Like, it didn't really bother me. So I do think if he's able to withstand that, I think he'll be fine over time. My bigger point was just the championship can be long gone by the time that happens. Yeah, I was more I was more speaking about a race to race thing. Like these three are going to start to establish. No, I, you know, I think if you give him time and let the knee get back to somewhat normal, he'll be right back in the mix. I firmly believe that. Uh, Weege, I thought Webb would be better. He's good at Muddy Creek, close to a hometown track. Now, did I think he was going to win or you know battle for the win? No. But I sure as hell thought it'd be better than uh, nine nine on the day. Yeah, and it didn't help that he—I think he was in one of those uh, first lap incidents, and he had a bad start in the other. So that didn't help for sure. But he was around some dudes um, and didn't really like. Even when he got to say tenth or eleventh, like the guys he was battling around, he would think he'd be better than he wasn't really doing much with them. Um, so the starts in the first time crash certainly didn't help. Mm-hmm. So maybe the best he could have done on the day was like sixth or seventh or something, but he didn't even get that. So yeah, I agree. Um, the second mo- Colorado motor was good, and High Point wasn't bad. Um, so I-, I thought we were going to see. Well, he's going to be even better at this track than those. But to me, he's actually maybe a step uh, off compared to it. But remember, this track was not easy to make moves on. So mm-hmm. if you're down early, I again, yes, Baggett did it. But I, as I usually like to do in these situations, okay, you, you take your one guy who passed everybody, and I'll just give you the 78 others who didn't do a lot of passing. Uh, Trey Kennard came back, was pretty good, got good starts. I mean, that's you'd probably like him to finish a little higher, huh, JT? But uh, that's not, not bad. He rode really well. You know, the fitness was what I was really most concerned with. Um, I thought that if the temperature stayed down, I thought that would help him quite a bit. And, and they creeped up in the afternoon. The sun came out, and the humidity was already crazy high because of the, the range that had just moved through. Uh, so you could see it. You could see him, you know, slowly losing uh, the ability to go that elite pace. 
and uh, you know the last lap, Barcia got him in the second moto, and, and that's going to happen. I mean, it's his first race back, and it wasn't even the race he planned on coming back for. So uh, I think it was it was good to see him near the front um, for part of the motos. I think that's going to inspire confidence in him, and uh, the fitness will come. You know, he'll race his way back into shape, and I don't think it'll be an overnight thing. But if he can continue to get good starts like he did, which I do think he'll be able to. Those KTM's have been lights out on the start. Uh, I think it's going to be a situation where, you know, he runs top five for maybe 15 minutes next week and then 20 minutes the following week. And then, you know, maybe he's in the conversation for uh, trying to battle for a podium by the end of the season. If he can keep it on two wheels and keep going and build well, something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. I, yeah, I'm not going to comment on injuries. That's, you know, that's just part of it. And obviously we know, we all know the, the struggles he's had, but, you know, whatever. You just, it is what it is. You've got to you gotta get momentum going if you're in a, in a Yeah, I mean, obviously, gotta, I, I'm sure he knows that better than anyone, but, you know, it's just uh, one of those things. He's had a tough time with it. Weston Pike, why again? Good job for Weston, fourth overall. 4-4, four, four, rode well. Yeah, yeah, he did, and he even made moves later in the race. I think the wrist has really been bad. Um and I will again say that I think it probably helped him that this track was the least gnarly. That probably helped uh, from the wrist perspective. But the fact that, you know, it wasn't like he had 15 good minutes in him and then he gave out. He actually was passing guys later in the races. I thought that was good. So that was the best ride of the year so far. Uh, maybe there's something here. at That whole wall, it was the Suzuki wall. Yeah. We were referring to it. I couldn't even keep track of who was in what position. They were just going at it, all four guys yeah. on at the two Suzuki teams. Pike, Barsha, Bogle, and Tickle. Yeah, great battles. JT, Bogle had a front flat, apparently, in the first moto. He was right in there, and then then their guys were passing him, making him look silly, but apparently front flat, so that would do that. That would make sense. JT is probably cheering since he's half Suzuki employee now after touring the factory and everything. Uh, I was cheering because he's a fly racing rider, and I also picked him in fantasy, which I talked to him right before the motos, and I said, are you going to do good or not? And he said, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm ready to go, bro. So I picked him, and uh, he killed it. Yeah, great job for him. Uh, for for Pike, right? Yes, for yes, Pike. yes. Okay. Uh, Wilson got fifth. Barsha sixth. Marty Davalo second moto. Good job, Marty. Strong, strong man. He was about to kill himself uh, multiple times. He was once for himself. sure. Yes, once he almost died. Yeah. Um, well, he almost crashed twice really hard within like three corners. Mm-hmm. That's how that's how we do it. We live on the edge. We push the limits. Oh, we. Yeah. Now it's we? Well, he's on a 450 now. That's all I've ever wanted. That's a bold stance. That's all I ever wanted was Marty to jump up the 450s and show the world. And he's showing the world. Weege, bold? How bold are we talking? I mean, that's that's like bold, bold nachos. No, I I begrudgingly have to say, Mathis, that that, I know you're actually joking, but that logic would make sense. You, you you were just begging the guy to move up, and now he's moved up. So, yeah, you, you should actually be his number one fan right mm-hmm. now. This is all you've ever asked for. I, well, I asked for two things. Get with Tim Ferry as your coach and trainer and get on a 450. That's all I've ever <laughs> okay. wanted for every rider. Okay. And he's done it. How much do you think <laughs> every rider? Every rider. <laughs> every rider, yes, everybody. <laughs> oh. How much do you think he's denying you? Oh. Go ahead, J.D. Just say, how much do you think he would deny you boarding that train to be on uh, Team Davos uh, if got, he knew? He's got no choice. I'll just jump on while it's slowly pulling away from the tracks <laughs> like a hobo. Um, all right, Weege, what else were you going to say? 
Oh, uh, yeah, I hate to say this, but during the show, he was in a battle, right? And then we went away from the battle. We are watching Baggett come through. And I'm waiting for timing and scoring. I think there was like a glitch in there or something. And I didn't see Marty's name for a second. So I honestly was just like, yep, he's gone. <laughs> yep. Did, did, I mean, did Langston call him Party Marty on the air? Yeah, a couple times. Party Marty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, GL. And then, and then Baggett, you know, rides past uh, Bogle, Tickle, and a couple other guys. And then I'm like, oh, my God, no. No, Marty just yarded those guys and is still riding solid. He's just, in the second half of the second moto, he's pulled away and is still riding well. Like, I hate to say it, but as soon as I saw the name not pop up for one quick lap, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, he, he's done. Typical Marty. Right. No. Uh, I was wrong. Grant crash in practice, missed the race. Seeley crashed on the first lap. Ugly crash for him. He, he was out for the day. So, a couple of big names. Didn't ride. Honda's in a bad way right now, man. Honda? Yeah. 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 Craig, you got to figure Craig's back this weekend, right? A couple weeks off. Yeah, but they just, I mean, they can't keep anybody on the bike. I mean, Craig's a fill-in. Oh, they should have picked up Freddie Norn. Fast Freddie's there all the time. Fast Freddie will never cheat you in effort. Fast Freddie will always be there. Fast Freddie's a solid, he's a rock, good dude. I I I don't know. Uh, Craig's Craig's obviously faster, better, everything else. But Craig is better. Yes, yeah. yes. But fast, Freddie, man. It is amazing. It's been completely lost because the Roxham injury is so 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 long ago now. But it is amazing that this season was supposed to be the year Honda gets it back. Like it was going to be. We're back to 1986. Here it comes. New bike, budget, Japan, Roxham. They got this and. I mean, it's amazing. It's just completely – you don't even think of it being a disappointing season anymore because that story is like five months old now. It's just you don't even think about it at all. They're just not and, even a factor right now. It's and amazing. Don't, and don't forget the multiple wins by Cole Seeley. <laughs> yes. Yes, multiple Supercross <laughs> wins. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's tough, though, man. Like, it, you got to – that's the, the ups and downs of our sport. Like, nothing you can do, nothing you can prepare, no matter how hard, how hard you work, it's just – all your plans just turn to shit. Just garbage. Garbage plans right, you know, with within two rounds or three rounds or whatever. Just that's it. Uh, I got a feel Oh, absolutely. Yep. Millions of dollars. Yep. Millions of dollars and a lot of people and just dumb, you know, whatever, luck or whatever you want to call it. Like, it's not like, well, they were proven wrong. Obviously, Roxon sucks. Like, that's not what it is. Right. You know? <laughs> uh, what else? We each from 450s. Anything else? Catch your eye? JT? Either you, either of you, from two fifty, four fifties, four fifty. Um, hmm. All right then. Not too much. How was uh? How'd you guys feel about Webb's ride? That's uh. I've been trying to keep an eye on his season here. We just discussed it for like five minutes. Like all right, like <laughs> seven seven that. to eight minutes ago. All right. Apparently, I missed that. <laughs> Sometimes you do, yeah. you and listeners can agree, and they can tweet me. Often, it's like you're not even listening. We each back yeah, me well, up on that. Guys, when you guys get back into fourth and stuff, I, I lose it sometimes. I, I understand. We each back right. me up on that. Sometimes we'll. And, I'm, I'm backing you up. I'm okay. With you. All right. I I will agree, but I will not hold it against him. I feel like Mathis, your standards on these pods are a little, a little too lofty. To sometimes. pay attention is my standard. To pay attention is is lofty. It's a lofty standard. 
I just to, no, to explain right. to the listeners right. at home. To, to explain to the listeners on. at home, Mathis returns home from a race when he does go. We now know he skips races. That's what he does now. But when he does go to the races, right. he he comes home and he just basically sits there in front of his computer for twelve hours, waiting for all of his podcast people to check in and and like. It's very difficult for other people to have that level of dedication that you're asking for. I'm sorry, it's just tough. I just need an hour for you to realize that we talked about web and everything else. But JT, please weigh in weigh in on web and what you think. We we already both did, but go ahead. No, we're good. We're good. I owned it. I said you're right. Let's move on. Um, nine nine for Coop. Um, wasn't what I expected. So, I don't think the 18, by the way, I've been pressing every week. I don't think the 18 is coming soon. Like, it, it's going to happen, but it's not. It's going to be late. And I don't think. So, that's not going to be the, the solution quickly and what in about, the last couple of rounds. But, and what yeah. about the other 18? When's he coming back, JT? I don't oh. know. Every time I see pictures or videos, he's, at the, he's on a boat. So, I don't think it's going to be. Done soon. <laughs> <laughs> Even when Millsaps is contracted to ride the outdoors, he does a phenomenal job. Uh, it's like that needs to be just called hashtag Millsaps Summer. Like it always somehow <laughs> ends up back. Remember the year that he was doing jumping jacks on a boat and having a suit with JGR and and hurt his ankle. But yep. he was doing jumping jacks. Yeah, yeah. So he was he was actually training. Right. What about <laughs> when he was waiting for parts for the Suzuki? Remember that? Yes. Right. Was that outdoor? Right. I think that was for outdoors. I think it was. It wasn't for Supercross. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was to come back yeah, for 14. Outdoors. Yeah, 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 yeah. Couldn't mm-hmm. get parts. All right. Couldn't get the parts. Um. Yeah. So okay, so the 18 for Webb is a long time away, and the 18 on the track is a long time away. This could be an interesting race. <laughs> which one? <laughs> which 18? <laughs> JT, which 18 we see first? Oh, I definitely the Yamaha. I agree. I think the Yamaha. Yes. Weege? Wait, it's Bloss. When Bloss is coming back, right? I heard Bloss is coming along. Millville back shortly. Millville. Millville. Right. And Dakota Alex is in, right? He's in. Yeah. He's in. So they would just have four dudes if Millsaps comes back. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are You guys are smarter than this. I. I I know it, so I'm not going to say any more than just, that. I just, you guys are smarter than this. Well, thank you. I was just laying out my evidence to say yes, indeed, right. it will be the 18 Yamaha. Um, four guys, four guys. I, Pike was sure. uh, Pike was just telling Ronnie Stewart, "Hey, good job out there after the race." That was it. Oh, is that, is that all Pike was doing? <laughs> just hey, Ronnie, really, really <laughs> killing job. it. Great job. You need some parts for that thing? Let me know. Uh, we better check on Ronnie's whereabouts. I hope he's okay. Poor Ronnie. <laughs> All right. Um, Fly Racing Racer X Podcast presented by Alpine Stars Protects. This is the uh, Muddy Creek Review. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We're going to take this commercial break. Listen to this commercial from Racetech. Use the code PULPMX17 to save on engines and suspension service. Michelin Starcross 5 as well, commercial in here. Just listen to these commercials, all right? Just do us a favor, all right? We'll be right back after this to discuss some, uh, some 250 talk. Thanks to Fly Racing and Alpine Star Protects for coming on this podcast. Now here's some commercials from Race Tech and Michelin. Listen, all right? Thanks. Hey, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis podcast on Racer X. 
I want to talk to you a little bit about Race Tech. The folks at Race Tech have been uh, on board with us for a long time. And use the code PulpMX17 when you're checking out to save money. Get your suspension done, please. Come on. Give your bike some love. All right, if, if you're looking to get the most of your bike suspension, get Racetech's proven lineup of suspension components and services done at the headquarters in Corona, California, or at your local Racetech service center. And check out the helpful guides on Racetech.com and pick up a do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Things have been around a long time. Also, too, Racetech doing engines now, valve jobs, porting, honing, decking, and more. Whether you're looking for a rebuild or a high-performance upgrade, Racetech's engine services department experience, staff, and state-of-the-art equipment have you covered. I can vouch for that. I've seen it myself. Give Racetech a call and mention Pulp Mex for a special discount. Please, check them out. Thanks to the guys at Racetech. Hey, Randy Richardson from Michelin here, and I'd like to thank the Pulp MX Show listeners for your support and share some information about Michelin motorcycle tires. Michelin offers motorcycle tires for everything from cruisers to sport touring, sport bikes, and adventure touring motorcycles. And as we celebrate our 10-year anniversary of our iconic partnership with Harley-Davidson, you'll find Michelin Scorcher tires on an increasing number of factory-equipped Harley-Davidson motorcycles. New for 2017, Michelin introduces the new benchmark for sport bike tires, the Michelin Power RS, featuring many of Michelin's patented technologies, all of which contribute to the incomparable grip, handling, and flickability of the Michelin Power RS. I just want to hit a motocross stuff. Fair enough. Let's focus on the Michelin Starcross 5. Because the Pulp MX Show listeners are important to Michelin, we're going to continue to sponsor Steve's janky radio show. That's right. While I'm not like some people who say, I know everything. I do know a few things about motorcycle tires, and I'd like to share some of the key features and benefits of the Michelin Starcross 5 tires with you. And I promise it's not a bunch of corporate blah, blah, blah. The Michelin Starcross 5 tires are specifically designed for use in a broad range of conditions and terrain. They're available in sand, soft, medium, and hard versions, and are offered in 21 size and fitment applications. Yeah, you like that? In addition to the exceptional performance and durability, the redesigned architecture of the Michelin Starcross 5 features a bead profile that makes the tires easier to install. And everyone knows... Easier mounting, always a good feature. If you're riding on Michelin Starcross 5 tires, but you have friends that are still buying other brands, please tell them... No, 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 no. Encourage them to try a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires. And if you haven't tried Michelin Starcross 5 tires yet? You're out of your mind, dude. Visit your local dealer or online retailer to purchase a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires and install them on your bike. Who knows? They might just help you learn to do a backflip in a day. It worked for the Doom Goon. To learn more, visit MichelinMotorcycle.com and follow us on Instagram at Michelin Motorcycle. FlyRacing.com. Please check them out. Fly Racing, Fly Racing, Fly Racing. You like that, JT? It's good, right? Just start scre- just screaming the name over great. and over. And, uh, and Alpine Stars Protects as well. On board with us, this is the uh, Racer X uh, podcast review. Wygant, Thomas, and me, Steve Mathis. All right, JT. Your floor is yours. Good job. You guys did it. Who are we? Zach? Zacho? No. You're, you're on the A train. Not really. Oh, AP. AP, yeah. We're still losing in the points, though. But it is, I mean, it's only 11 points from, from A-Mart to AP. So mm-hmm. I think the uh, different league thing is, is uh, I'm winning that argument so far. Um, interesting that his starts were so good, man. That's one thing that, not, that he can't, that he has trouble with yeah. over the years. And he just well, ripped it. Well, it's them. awesome that he can't explain it. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. That's my favorite part. Yeah, he's just like, I don't know, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just just got him dialed. <laughs> <laughs> like, did you make any ch- like no changes, no setup right. talk, no training talk? I don't know. They're great. <laughs> so, uh, he rode well. He rode really well, and uh, I, I mean, took, uh, took the overall. I, yeah, I think we know the answer. It's just there. That engine's really, really good. I mean, it's not. I don't think it's rocket science by any means. Um, Osborne did what he had to do. Weech. This is what guys like him do. Guys that go on to win titles, uh, they get a fifth in the first moto, and it's not the greatest, and they lose a bunch of points. But when it counts, they come through again. And uh, he lost six points to AP, but I doubt he's that worried about him at this point. Or uh, maybe he needs to be. But anyways, Osborne salvaged it with a five-one. Uh, nice job by him. Dude, uh, and again, this is back to my polarized nation argument. And there's if if people on teams or other riders are listening to this, they would say that I'm completely, totally, uh, factually inaccurate here. It's fake news, and I have alternate facts. But to me, it's just like Supercross. Like you pretty much lay it out, and he's the best guy. He has a few motos where maybe something goes wrong, and he doesn't win those. But in the motos where it goes right, he just rolls these dudes. He does. Like he just beats them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, he beat Plessinger straight up in that second moto. Now, yes, you can make the argument Plessinger knew he didn't beat him for the overall, but there's no way at round five and you're battling for points that you're just like, yeah, I'm just going to let this dude take off. Like, surely Plessinger wanted to beat him. Uh, so to me, it's nearly like Supercross, but a little more dangerous because I think Zach's just a little better naturally outdoors. And, and it's a much longer series of 24 motos. So the weirdo problems that almost got him in Supercross, you know, the first turn crash, that's not your fault, that will inevitably happen. Yep. You you got 24 motos, it doesn't matter. And the motos are longer, so you can make up for that. So Mm to me, he's got a 31-point lead right now. This is... This is looking very bad for everybody else. Yeah, I agree. And, and, um, I I mean, I'm not joking when I gave the little speech about beforehand, uh, before JT, that's what these guys do. Guys who have build points leads, guys who win titles, do what Zach did and and grab the win, you know, when they can after a so-so first moto. That's just what guys do. Yeah, I mean, what do you guys think about Osborne, though? (laughs) I'm just kidding. kidding. Uh, No, he's he's been great. Um... You know, leaving Hangtown, I wouldn't have been shocked if you told me that he had a 24-point lead mm-hmm. leaving round four. But, uh, or excuse me, is that round five? It's round, round five. five, and he's got um, actually tw- 30, yeah. he's got 31. Was it? Sorry. Um, oh boy. Yeah, sorry. Oh, oh boy. It was uh, 176 to oh 207. Yeah, sorry. I, I just did bad math in my head. Um, he's, I mean, that was kind of the, the ride he needed, you know. High point was good, don't get me wrong, but... Uh, if he wants to make this easy on himself, he needs to put days together like he did yesterday because High Point kind of leaves the door open. You let J-Mart get in there and, and get a bunch of points, and they tied him points or whatever. Um, I, I get all that, but he needs to put the hammer down when J-Mart has a bad day, which he did. I mean, kudos to him. But a guy like Plessinger, he's not there right now. Plessinger's about... 42 points out, something like that, I think. Um, so it's not uh, such a huge deal for Plessinger to beat him or, you know, or at least get a couple points on him here and there. He just needs to keep stretching it out because these guys are going to rotate good days and bad days. A-Mart's going to have a good day. J-Mart's going to have a good day. Plessinger just had a good day. 
But if Zach can stay right there and win win races and then always be in that top three, when those guys have bad days like Jamar did yesterday, he's going to slowly creep away, and it's going to be 50 points before these guys realize that it happened to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's great. Uh, Forkner got third, AC fourth, Amar fifth, and there wasn't much to separate them really between them all. AC had a good first moto uh, with a second, and uh, and and Forkner got in there with in this in the second moto with a third. AC didn't get the start, but kind of like what you said, Weege, uh that two fifty class you really noticed it in the two fifty class. The guys kind of start finished where they started, and there wasn't much going on. Yeah, I mean, I don't think AC did any really rode any differently in the two motos, and he got a second and a fifth. He just happened to start in front of Forkner and Amart in one, and he happened to start behind Forkner and Amart in the other. Yep. And Forkner and Amart, almost every lap of the entire day was the same. Amart trying to figure out where can I make up this half second. If I could just figure out one spot to make up this half second and get on him mm-hmm. and then try to make it happen, he just couldn't. I mean, Forkner rode well. They rode at exactly the same speed in every lap of both yeah. uh, motos. And and for uh, Jmart, that was the worst case scenario. Like, this was the worst track to have the first turn crash because it was so hard to make up the ground, you know, uh, Ferrandis did a little better job than him. He did fall. And Ferrandis, I mean, he, Ferrandis, Savachi, and Jamart all got, were down together, and Ferrandis did beat them. He did the best job. Mm-hmm. But they all ended up with crap gate picks again, and then crap starts again. And it was like, if there's one track you don't want to have the first turn crash, it's going to ruin your day because it's going to mess up your gate pick, and it's going to mess up your first moto because you can't come through. So that really hurt Jamart. I don't think he necessarily rode bad, but he lost a crap ton of points. Yeah. Because of that first turn crash on the worst track to pass on. Yeah, the troll train moves into second in the points, everybody. Choo, choo. The troll train. Second in the points. Yeah. So. Um, Look, it's a difference, I feel, between Osborne and everybody else. Like, yeah, you're going to be up and down because the class is so closely mm-hmm. matched. But I think he has that slight little edge on everyone where when he does get the bad start or he does have his bad day, he's able to salvage more because his general level is just a little bit higher right now. So, like J-Mart, you just play the averages. He had a good race, but then he had a not-so-good one. Mm-hmm. But Osborne, I don't think, gets 12. No. Because he's just got that little edge, which allows him where, you know, he would have got an ace out of that or something, or a fifth like he did in the first moto. He didn't go down the first turn. But what I'm saying is, just because his level's a little higher, his bad day is going to not quite be so bad because he can get around these guys. Did you say Nichols hit a tractor? In practice? No, high point. Second moto. Oh. That's what I heard. Oh, I thought it was in practice yeah. at Muddy Creek. I misunderstood the, the conversation. Okay. Because Nichols got six so, overall. You were asking what happened to Nichols at high point, right? Yeah. yeah. I think JT, he's not listening again. Yeah, that was, on, that was on a group text yeah. I was asking, yes. Yes. Nichols at high wondering point. wondering why he okay. DNF the second right. moto. Was right. he hurt? Yeah. I heard he wasn't okay. hurt. I, I wanted to ask. Yeah. Yeah, I was asking for my fantasy team to see what the hell was going on with them, and okay. uh, yeah, that's because incredible. I just asked because I I figured it was about Muddy Creek because um, we were talking about Muddy Creek and it was Muddy Creek weekend. But then again, I'm the same guy that picked Jordan Smith in fantasy for yeah, Muddy you're, Creek. You're an idiot for Muddy Creek. So clearly, that's how what? much I was into it. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it, but it was just absolutely <laughs> terrible, absolutely un- unexcusable move. Um, I'm, Do you have the big handicap at least? <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to talk about it. Um, I oh, wow. I wow. 
I almost look like a genius because in my column last week, I said McElrath gets a sixth overall or better at Muddy Creek. It's all going to turn around. Sugar Shane will be back. Damn it. Missed it by one point. He got seventh overall. I could have looked like a genius. I would have... I would have oh. led my column with that. But McElrath was better, Weege. Yeah, and you know what? You're wrong by one point at one position. But let's be honest. You know you're right. Like, you're basically, you're basically correct. If you, if you nail the pick to within 1% accuracy, uh, you are correct. Right. Like, he was, your point was that he was going to be better, and yeah. he definitely was. Yeah. So, congrats. You, you did nail that one. What, what I didn't know was, none of us realized... He had been hurt and had barely been able to ride during the week. And I'm like, when? When were you hurt? He's like, Seattle. And I'm like, but didn't you win a Supercross between now and then? And he's like, yeah, I don't know how. I don't know how I won Salt Lake. I don't. I could barely ride. I don't understand, but I did win a race, but I was still hurt. So that's why we were all mystified because, you know, once you win a race, you kind of assume the guy's okay. Mm-hmm. But a month later, he still wasn't. But he is now. Yeah, hopefully. Um, Mitchell Harrison's been steady this year, JT. Mitchell Harrison might actually be something. Yeah, he was. Uh, he he's been a little bit hot and cold, but he's definitely been better. So, um, kudos to him. I think he ended up seventh in the uh, East Coast Supercross points, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I've been critical of him. He, he man, he was really sketchy his first year, uh, but he certainly has gotten a lot better. So um, good for good on Star Yamaha Star Racing for sticking with him, which. Hasn't been their M.O. at times, and good for Mitchell for uh, for making a count. Uh, Ferrandis was good. Sexton uh, told me his goal was to be in the top 10 every single moto. Well, 15-9, so he went 50% again this weekend, but Sexton's figuring it out. He's pretty good. Um, I think Sexton actually was somewhat down, somewhat involved in that same crash with uh, yeah. J. Martin and everybody. He said he came around. So actually, 15-9 is good. Yeah. yeah, he said he started 22nd first lap. First lap was 22nd. Because you know it's impossible for us to get the stats about, you know, the first turn and the f- second turn or whatever. It's no. Impossible. No, the technology does not exist. No, it's impossible. Uh, Justin Hill, yeah. uh, so-so day, 17-13 for him. RJ Hampshire had a bike problem. First moto. Second moto, he got 12th. Yeah. It's not so bad. Um, what else? Uh, Mark Worth screwed my fantasy team. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate that. It's awesome. He didn't even ride the second moto. I don't know what was up with that. Not sure. Oh jeez. Uh Luke Reslin is Luke Reslin's good again. Weege? Yep, his his yep. Yeah, the last two all over right. the place too. Yeah. What's that what's that, JT? His musical takes are all over the place too. He tweets a lot of musical lyrics yeah. and he's all over the map. Like his finishes, really. Um yeah, he's been good. Last four motos though. He's back. Luke Reslin. Well, I believe there was a transfer of power. Oh, I did not um, know this. Well okay. Uh, maybe the most shocking uh, rider of the entire Nationals is the sudden consistency that has struck Nick Gaines, who, as anyone that plays fantasy knows, that is not his specialty. Consistency is not Nick No, Gaines no. Nick, Nick Gaines is no. his fantasy gasoline. <laughs> uh, whereas Rensland doesn't usually light it up, but he's usually going to get you that you know, 12 to 17, pretty solid in, in, in and out. Mm-hmm. But there was a transfer of power. Gaines had become Mr. Consistency, and Renslin was all over the map. However, did you notice that just as Renslin has started to put it together, Gaines has gone back to being Gaines? It's a good point. Gaines, 38, this in the first moto, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I saw Gaines at the back, 39. you know, 38th, and I'm like, oh, Renslin's doing better. So the teammates 
without a transfer of power, the consistency has switched, and it will now be Renslin's. Luke has the power or the force or whatever the hell you idiots call it. Force power? What is it? Uh, well, you're the one who came up with it, so whatever want, whatever you want it to be. Transfer of power is fine. Yeah. Well, I don't know. So, Luke, you guys always use the word Luke. Oh, Luke. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, the Force. Yeah, Star Wars. <laughs> Some movie or something. I don't know. The Last Jedi coming out December. JT and I will be there. Um, There's an effing right. another one? <laughs> Dude, there's going to be one every two years or something. Get ready for it. Like, uh, seriously. Yeah, they're they're about to start shooting the uh, Han Solo one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'm going. I'm going. Henry David Thoreau, Walden. I'm. I'm checking. Hey, out. speaking of which, speaking about movies, I just read something. The if you compare the top 100 uh, grossing movies from last year, like 30 of them were original stories, like a, not not animation, not remakes, not sequels, nothing. 30 of them were um, uh, original screenplays, you know, original movies. In 1987, 73 movies were original screenplays. It's the kind of world we live in now. It's almost flip-flopped. That's your fact yeah, of the day. Yeah, it's obvious. I, I, I believe there's a wheel. I, think, I believe there's a wheel, kind of like a Wheel of Fortune wheel in, in the Hollywood studios, and they just spin it, and it's like once the movie hasn't been done in about 19 years, it goes on the board, mm-hmm. they just spin the wheel and say, oh, okay. 19 years is up. We can remake this one. Ghostbusters is up. Cool. Got it. <laughs> Spider-Man? Ghostbusters? Be- yeah. Baywatch? 21 Jump Street? Movie. Right, yeah. Uh, that's ridiculous. 21 Jump Street, yeah. Yeah, what up? Miami Vice? Oh, that was popular in, on TV? I will make Miami Vice. Sounds good. Right. 18? Got it. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually not a bad theory, Weege. It's actually not a bad theory. It's crazy enough. The only the only thing we need to make it go full circle is Tom Hanks has been allowed uh, around and successful long enough where he can now star in his own remakes. All his famous movies have passed that bridge. Yeah. So it's time for Splash and I don't know. I'm really all surprised. Ryan ones and bring him back. JT, I'm surprised they didn't. Re- they've never remade Jaws. Like it's kind of cheesy now when you watch it. I love it. It's my probably my favorite movie of all time. But with today's effects, you could remake Jaws all day long. Yeah, you could. I think there, uh, you know, I think there were so many of them, you know, and it got so carried away. Yeah. That uh, I don't know. I don't know that you could do it. You know, Spielberg was so great, and people aren't as scared of sharks as they were. And there's all these Sharknados and open water and all these crappy shark movies. I don't know. I think they're. Uh, I think you'd have a hard time getting. A good director, you know, say somebody, Christopher Nolan, Spielberg, somebody great that they would want to do it. I don't think any of those guys are wanting to do it just because it would kind of been done too many times, and I don't think they could do it the right way. Well, Spielberg, Kirk, because he did the first one. So, With that? Yeah, Spiel- no, Spielberg no, I'm Kirk. saying – I did. I said that. But I'm saying somebody that great to redo it with all the special effects they have now, I think it would be appealing on that end, but I just think – the shark type movie has been so played out now and, and really poorly done. If I say oh. so, um, I just don't think there's a lot of interest there. Well, the shark movie is one that we each can get behind because it could happen in real life. The, which one was the one where it was basically SeaWorld? Is that Jaws 2? Jaws, Jaws That's 3. three and it's the worst. Well, it's the worst of the first three by far. Oh, yeah. One and two are great. Yeah. Three and the three and on are horrific. But we, you can get behind Jaws. Well, I can grant you maybe three is the worst. I'm not sure. But I just know that the idea of going to an aquarium or SeaWorld and the shark getting out of control and jacking stuff up is 100% totally like a real thing that can happen. So I was totally down with that movie. Okay. All right. Very scary. Very scary. Yeah. Um, Weege, have you 
gone and found Stephen Clark? Like, what's this guy's story? He, where'd he go for four years? I don't know. It was weird. I was down in staging, talking to guys before practice like I usually do, and I'm, like, walking around, and, like, a guy yells, hey. And I, I, I'm going to admit this right now. He has a helmet and goggles on, so I can't tell who's who. Yeah. And I look, and he's kind of by a bike 105, and I'm like, 105? This Ryan Hughes way back in the day? Like, who is this? So I give the what's up. I'm like, the dude, clearly we know each other. I hate to say that I don't remember the number here. Yeah. So I had to, after the what's up, I'd walk around to see the back of his jersey. And I'm like, oh, Stephen Clark, the Englishman. Yeah, where has he been? But then he did good. Yeah, he's been all right. So I yeah. almost I almost feel like, didn't he get 10th or something? Uh, 14th. 14th. I guess but he was 10th. He was 10th for a while, yeah. Yes. Anyway, I feel the vibe I got from that was I think he knew he was going to be good. And he was just like, hey, check me out, catch me outside, whatever. Like he was drawing attention to himself. Like I'm not buddies with the dude at all. I was like, why would he give me the what's up nod and be like, hey. Because I think he knew he was going to do good. And he's like, check me out. I'm going to be awesome today. He knew it. JT, where's Stephen Clark been? Uh, He hasn't been around. He's been in England, I think. I think he races the British Championship. Most of the time, and then he came back. He's from he's from England, oh, so yeah, yeah I think no, he yeah. just came over to. I don't know if he's going to race all of them or what. He's an MTF guy, um, so but he's been in England quite a bit racing because I watched that series a little bit. So he's been over there, but that's that's about all I got for you. So we got France in in Ferrandis. We have Venezuela, Lorenzo. We have Britain, Stephen Clark. We have Brazil in Gustavo Souza. Got a real mix of countries. No Canadians still. We got still. Japan, Tomita. We got Japan. Yeah, yeah 450 class. Yep, Japan. Um, uh, Mars, France. Uh, Freddie Norn, Sweden. Marty. Does Marty count? Does Marty what count? Do does Marty count? Yeah, he's from Ecuador. Yeah, he's but does that, does that count? You can't, you can't just use the fact that he's been here a long time. Okay. All right. That's fine. Well, then... I feel like in all those, and in that you have that great theory, which is totally true, that like once one rider from one country kills it, they go insane signing. And the the French probably number one in that category, and then definitely Australia, a close yep. second. But yep. it was like, yep. oh my God, Chad Reed's good. Just get anybody from Australia. Just get an Australian and sign them. Give them a factory bike. They're all good. Uh, and they all end up like any other deal. Some are good and some are not. Um but I can't believe through all this, through like 20, almost 30 years now of riders from other countries coming into the United States and proving they can do well, there just hasn't really been a hit uh, Englishman. And several have tried, several have come close, but it never works out. Like, there isn't one that's been great. Dino? Um, Dino? I, weird. Dean Wilson? That's not English. Oh, if Marty counts, then Dean counts. He's not from England, though. No, no, he's Scottish, bro. Oh, That's why I didn't oh, oh, okay. I'm sorry. I didn't yeah. realize you weren't you weren't counting all yeah. of the islands and everything else up there. Okay, sorry. And he's not from England. It's a different country. Oh, I mean, give me a break. It's it's they all ride the they ride for the for the same country in motocross the nations. It's one Scotland. Are you, are you serious? Scotland does not have a country in motocross the nations. Okay. United Kingdom. That's exactly what I, I figured Weege meant. Canada should just pack it in and join North America. That'd be great. Um, it would make the A-moto at least. 
Okay, so so all right, so yeah, all right, so you're not counting Dino, even though the FIM does count Dino as Englishman. Not from England. FIM counts him as being English. FIM. The same same ones that just suspended Kay Clayson and Stu. Okay, count him as United Kingdom. That's not. I yeah, I don't. I I I, not from England. I figured Weege was talking about the United Kingdom. But apparently, no. no, just England. You ever heard of Brexit? So, all right. So, well, do- well dude, we all know people that are we all know people that are from England. No one from England, like they do not consider people from Scotland to be from their country. Like it just doesn't work that way. Well, the FIM like, does. Oh, okay, so that's, that's what trident, right uh, maybe they concentrate too much on getting whole shits instead of whole shots. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will I will say this. I will say this. If you go back and look at Tommy Gunn Searle's results over here, they weren't bad. They weren't. No, he was almost there. You, For sure, he was almost there. He had some great runs, and it sh- he should have been the one, but it didn't. Right. I can't even explain it. Like, it just didn't work out. Yeah. He should have been the one, yes. Tommy, unfortunately yeah. for Tommy, he was in the weird MDK KTM world where that sucked up a lot of riders. They never quite figured things out, but Tommy Gunn Searle yeah, was all right. I think he was, wasn't, wasn't Tommy Searle at one point suing KTM while riding for them because they were basically disbanding the factory team they had had him signed. Oh, I don't, I don't know about that. that. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't hear that. Yeah, I think maybe. the second year he was signed to be factory KTM, and then they basically disbanded the factory KTM team and switched it to MDK, which was like a violation of the contract they gave him, and he was still riding for them. It was literally like in court, like you could look it up, like in, in like Temecula, California, like he had sued KTM, but he was still riding for them because they were basically, hmm. he was at one point the only factory guy, so I'm sure there was a lot of effort. He was just Wrong place, wrong time. That probably hurt. But any of them. I mean, James Dobb, obviously a great rider. Dobb got, Dob got second in the 125 East Coast Championship one year and won one national. Right. But, like, his best days ended up being kind of like Sir. Like, his yeah. best run ended up being over there. It could have been here. It just yeah. didn't work out. He could have done it. But he ended up hitting his peak and his prime and everything over overseas. So it's just weird how it hasn't worked for where, tons of Australians, tons of French, and where, et cetera, et cetera, New Zealand, you name it. And where was the rush to sign Canadians after JSR's performances? Uh, JSR, mm, he was... Okay, Mathis, you know better than anybody. What was JSR's... I always felt like JSR was a guy easy, from coming down to easy, visit sometimes. Easy on this. He had a full ride with Planet Honda. Full ride for two years with... Well, one year with Planet Honda for sure. One year with Blackfoot, they did all the Supercrosses. Like, I think two years at Planet Honda. Okay. One team is Planet Honda. <laughs> the other team is a Canadian team. So it didn't... Like, I just wasn't ever sure what the intent was. Like, I'm sure if he could have picked up a factory Honda ride here, he would have taken it. But I just always felt like mm-hmm. he's a really good Canadian guy who comes here. No, no, no. But he's JSR, still a Canadian guy. JSR attempted to make a full-time go of it. He did. Oh yeah, absolutely. Did. He did, and he and he oh, did well. He got screwed, and he did well. Then he got screwed. Then he got screwed because he deserved better because he was really good. He was beating Jason yeah. Thomas a lot, plenty. Yeah, he was. He was good, man. I I didn't say otherwise. Plenty no, good. No, I'm not at all saying right. he wasn't a good rider. No, I'm 100% agree he was excellent. But I really didn't think that that was like his goal or his intent or what he was attempting to do. I don't know why I had that impression. 
but that's what I thought. Well, he did, but I think once he realized that, you know, he wasn't going to get a factory deal and make crazy money, I think he realized, hey, I need to go uh, I need to go make a lot of money in Canada. Yeah, the one thing JSR did was chase the dollars, you know? He really looked at it Which like... he should, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. He should. He looked at it like a business. Like, he was like, all right, I gave it two years of Supercross top 10, top 12 rides and only made this much and I can make this much for nine nationals and see you later, you yep. know? So um, why did he not, um, why was he not, you know, I think we probably heard it more than anything. Why was he, he was mostly the premier class, whatever we want to call it. Two fifties. Yeah, right? yeah. He rolled on 25s one year. He got that shot with the Jolly Rancher team, uh, but he hurt his Achilles or knee or something. It was out for most of the year. But he he got he top ten Daytona I think got top five or six Daytona one twenty five Supercross that year. But uh, he got a fifth or sixth at Unadilla one year too. Um. Uh. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. just saying yeah. if he had come up as a light right. guy or a one twenty five guy or whatever two fifty F guy, you know that opens up all of these jobs. Like who knows? You know if he ends up on Pro Circuit, this all changes. But once you're in the main class, well, I mean JT, you unfortunately live this as well. It's like. You can be in the top 450 class and getting 11th every week, which is spectacularly awesome, and then you just don't get shit for it as far as factory rides. It's just unfortunate yeah. the way that works. No, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, what else? Anything else? Boys, word of the day. We need a word of the day. I have a, I have a recommendation. What the hell is crisscross applesauce? Just ask those kids that you, you live with them now. Do you live, did you move in, JT? Uh, yeah. Are there kids living in your household? Yeah. Uh, yeah. At the current moment, no. They, oh, okay. They know. They know. Um, you can no longer use the term sitting Indian style. So any child under, say, age, I don't know when this politically correct thing started. I'll have to ask Trump. But I'd say anyone under 14, they don't say you sit Indian style. You sit crisscross applesauce. Huh. That's okay. so dumb, but they, whatever. Yeah, yeah. they've renamed the style of sitting. We no longer sit Indian style. You sit crisscross applesauce. Um, well, I myself am cheering for Gustavo Souza to start getting into the top five and watch the floodgates open with Brazilians <laughs> flying in. So. But uh, no Canadians. No, yep. no, Dusty Clatt. Yep. Dusty yep. Clatt did it, and uh, he, you know, yep. he had a shot. Dusty Clatt, leg- legitimate ride. Couple of legitimate rides, never came through for us. Um, all right, word of the day. That was a, that was a fail. That was a fail. It was. I can't sit here and, and tell you anything different. I wish I could. Um, all right. Uh, word of the day. I have a word of the day. Let's see if you can do this, Weech. Greedo. What? Greedo was. Word? Yeah, Greedo was the name of the alien that Han Solo shot in the cantina. In Star Wars, no, that's oh dumb. That's super dumb. God. Why is that super dumb? Because it's uh, it's too obscure. We want things that, that that all the public will know and appreciate. No one cares about that. I don't even. I don't even know that. And I'm a Star Wars geek. You don't know the guy's name is Greedo, the green guy. No, and I, I've seen all of them. That is common times. knowledge, bro. Common I know that, knowledge. It's, obviously, it's not. That's unbelievable. All right. Then okay, I well, I'm just telling you, if, if I don't know it and I love Star Wars that much, then we need to find something else. Please hit JT up on Twitter and tell him you cannot believe he doesn't know who Greedo is, everybody. Um, all right. Go ahead, JT. You got one? Uh, I was going to go with Guido, which is close to what you said. 
What? Which is what I thought you said originally, Guido. Guido, no, no, yeah. no, we can't do that. That's, no, we cannot do that. That would be awesome. <laughs> what Italian Americans are in are racing? Izzy? Who, who else? Who could I even? <laughs> uh, Renslin? You could pick Renslin, maybe. I don't oh, yeah. know where he's from, yeah, Jersey. For sure, you could do Renslin. He's from Jersey. We're all Italians, we're all Guidos. Ronnie Stewart, you you guys shouldn't be yelling at Ronnie Stewart. He's got his Guido buddies back in PA. Oh, uh, don't do that. Please don't do that. Um, okay, how about this? How about Leopard Seal? It's the second largest of all seals out there. Leopard Seal. I, I, don't, I don't know if I love it. Oh, well, okay. throw something out then, JT. I've done, I'm, I'm throwing two out. You've shot him down. All right. Um, <laughs> trying to think. Leopard seal. Tramp stamp. No, JT. You can't do that. Can't go with tramp stamp? No. We can't do tramp stamp because Langston already did it. He pre-did it. He did. He, yeah, he, he did. did. He said, so he said saying, you should get a tramp stamp. Yeah, Mathis was saying you can't do it because it's inappropriate. Gio already dropped it. Yeah, he didn't care. Well, Georgia already dropped whole shit, so that shows this this crew here. They the NFG man, they don't care. Um, <laughs> hey, what about plankton? You know, it's a diverse collection of organisms that live in the water column of large bodies of water and are unable yeah, to. Yeah, we know what plankton is. All right. Was, well, apparently, I know, hey, you didn't know Greedo, so I'm, I feel I got to break everything down for you. Doesn't mean I don't know what plankton is. What about algae? <laughs> algae would be tough. How are you going to fit algae in or plankton? I just enjoy how uh, nearly impossible it is for you two to agree on anything. I just this <laughs> really flushes it out. <laughs> when we get to topics like this that there's no reason to have any opinion on no, whatsoever. Exactly. And Thank can't you. Agree, it's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. It's amazing. I like, Thank you. I like leopard seal. I'm gonna go with leopard seal and stick with it. I still I claim I will stick with my claim that cre- that Greedo. What'd you say, Greedo? Greedo. What'd you say? It's that's dumb. People are going to blow you out on Twitter, and you deserve it. I hope it. it's Pete Fox. Uh, leopard seal? Weech? Uh, leopard seal. I'm All right. Anything but Greedo. Uh, what, what about... No, Greedo is good, and people are going to love it. Uh, all right, leopard seal it is. All right. Red bud this weekend, leopard seal. The largest of all the SEAL families. Second largest. Um, okay. Flyracing.com. Alpine Star Protects on board with us on the Racer X Wrap-Up Podcast. Jason Wygant and Jason Thomas, thanks, boys. And uh, we will reconvene one week from today to talk about Red Bud. All right. See ya. See ya. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart, 
There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. And, and McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? And, and he's got the thing. He's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't been, you know, if, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled fifth and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that air I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey,